0: In this podcast, we look at the first phase of the Cold War from 1945 to 1962. The Cold War may be said to have two parts, or divisions. In this podcast, we'll look at the first phase, and in the next podcast, we'll look at the second phase from 1962 to 1991. The Cold War was the struggle between the United States and the Soviet Union between 1945 and and 1991, which was not like a hot war in that there was no world war. Many people died on both sides. In the Vietnam War, for example, 55,000 Americans died and more than 2 million Vietnamese. So it is not true that the Cold War was a period of tension only it was also a period in which thousands and tens of thousands even, even millions, lost their life. And the future of the planet was always in doubt because the two sides had nuclear weapons facing off against one another. Now this all was very surprising in one sense because the United States and the Soviet Union were allies in the Second World War against Hitler. But, of course, the Soviet Union was a communist nation And the United States was a capitalist nation, and so they had differences that were profound. It was only their common opposition to Hitler that united them in the war, so that when Hitler was disposed of in 1945, the United States and the Soviet Union went their separate ways. Now, there were three reasons for the Cold War. One reason was that the Soviet Union tried to push their advantage. By 1945, the Soviet Union had the largest army in the world. It was battle-hardened, having defeated the Nazis. The United States did not have anything like the same size of army, although we had troops stationed in Western Europe. It was only the American nuclear monopoly that stopped the Russians from taking all of Western Europe at the end of World War II. And so there was a tense standoff because the Red Army was the largest in the world and the Americans alone had nuclear weapons. And the standoff became even tenser in 1949 when the Soviets exploded their first atomic bomb. Then the United States developed a more powerful and lethal weapon, the hydrogen bomb. And eventually, very soon, the Soviets developed their own hydrogen bomb. And after that, the race was on to see which side could build the most missiles and have the biggest bang for the biggest buck. And this created a balance of terror between the Soviet Union and the United States that always threatened to spill over into a general nuclear world war. And so it was a very, very tense time. Now, there were two assumptions that Americans made in the Cold War. First, they assumed that all communists were armed minorities in the countries in which they were active. That is, all communists were dancing to the tune of the Soviet leader, whoever that happened to be. The other assumption was that communism was monolithic. That is, it was directed by the Soviet Union. And therefore, the United States vowed in 1947 to stop communism from expanding wherever in the world it seemed to be about to triumph. Because we believed that every communist movement was somehow directed by Stalin or whoever the Soviet leader was. And when China became a communist nation in 1949, we assumed that the Soviets were behind that as well. Anytime there was a communist victory, or anytime anything went wrong for the United States, it was assumed that the communists were behind it. It was further assumed that there were communist spies everywhere in the United States and that if the United States wanted to defeat the Soviet Union, it could do so simply by being a unified, vigilant nation-state. There are many reasons why this analysis was wrong. In fact, both of the assumptions were wrong. Communists were not always armed minorities. In some countries, they represented the majority of the people, such as in Vietnam, as we were going to find out to our great sadness. Also, communists were not puppets of the Soviet Union. The communists in Vietnam, for example, were not dancing to the tune of the Russians. They were nationalists who were willing to fight until a thousand years had passed, if necessary, in order to have their own nation. And the United States did not have the same commitment to preventing communism from taking over in Vietnam. So there was a power differential there. There were places where the Cold War was a success. For example, in 1948 in Berlin, the United States launched an airlift to prevent the Soviet Union from pushing the Western Allies out of Berlin, but that Berlin airlift was a success because the people we were defending, the Germans, the West Germans, wanted to be defended and they wanted to be anti-communist. And in that case, of course, Stalin was calling the shots. Stalin was the one who was blockading Berlin and forcing the Western allies to adopt an airlift. The Western allies were able to force Stalin to stand down after one year of the blockade. So the Berlin Airlift turned out to be a great success, but Americans could not make sense of the fact that the post-war years were a combination of success and failure. The Korean War in 1950 was hardly a success. It ended in 1953 in a draw, and Americans did not understand why they were not able to dominate the post-war world when it seemed that America should be the dominant power in the world. So where were the assumptions wrong in the Cold War? Well, I already mentioned Vietnam. China was another place where the assumptions were wrong. When the Chinese communists took over in 1949, we assumed that China and Russia were hand in glove, that they were best friends. But it turned out that the Chinese communists hated the Soviet communists, and that they could not make common cause. And it was only in the late 1960s that we realized this, and of course at that point Richard Nixon did a deal with China, and China became a trade ally, which is what it is today. Another place where you can see these inaccurate assumptions at work is in the fear that Americans had that other Americans must be communists if they had different points of view. In the 1950s, of course, you have McCarthyism, where an unscrupulous, unethical senator, Joseph Raymond McCarthy, a Republican from Wisconsin, accused innocent people in the government of being communists in order to gain political traction for himself and for other members of his party. Even President Eisenhower was afraid to tangle with McCarthy, But, of course, McCarthy's charges were wildly inaccurate. None of the people he charged with being communists were actually communists. And yet, Americans believed McCarthy, and this furthered the division. In fact, you could say that McCarthy was the best thing that ever happened to the Soviet Union because he divided Americans unnecessarily in the 1950s. McCarthyism was the last example that I want to give here, of a consequence of our inaccurate assumptions about the Cold War. Because after 1945, the United States, the American people, felt like there should be no problems that we couldn't possibly handle. And so when we ran into problems like China going red, and the Soviets getting an atomic bomb, and McCarthy saying that Everyone in government was somehow affiliated with communism. We tended to believe that it was because something was going wrong inside our government, because the communists, we had led ourselves to believe, could not achieve much on their own. And if they scored any victories, it was because of weaknesses within our country. So the tensions between the United States and the Soviet Union got steadily worse until 1962 when the Cuban Missile Crisis brought these tensions to almost a disaster in which the Soviet Union and the United States were in a standoff over Soviet missiles in Cuba. The Soviets had installed missiles in Cuba in the belief that that would stop John F. Kennedy from invading Cuba, but also because they felt Kennedy was weak. Kennedy stood up to the Soviets and demanded that the missiles be removed, and if they weren't removed, he threatened World War III against the Russians. So for 13 days, there was real fear that a world war, a thermonuclear war, was going to shatter the peace and destroy the world. And it was only after those 13 days in October that the world realized it was going to get out of the Cuban Missile Crisis without the world blowing up. Such was the end of the first phase of the Cold War. We'll look at the second phase in our next podcast.